kick off our lesson for the morning from Luke chapter 7. We're back in Luke um, after many weeks of uh, a hiatus from our dear friend, uh, the, the, the physician, uh, the scholar, the friend of Paul, uh, Luke, as he takes us through um, here, Jesus's ministry uh, in chapter 7. And the title of my lesson this morning is, They're Not Playing Our Game. They're Not Playing Our Game. So, uh, it's great to uh, be here together. Uh, this passage has me pretty pumped up, um, pretty excited. You know, it's uh, it's been it's been a week, right? Um, it was a week in which a bunch of people selected somebody to do something, um, and uh, you know that's a way of putting it. But it's been it's been a week, right? And so studying for this lesson, actually, it was great. I really felt like this was a beautiful a beautiful story uh, that Luke has told. And I think it just encouraged me, and hopefully it encourages you here this morning. So hop over, if you can, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. You know, the Mata's looked at Romans 7. We'll look at Luke 7. We'll keep the, the number consistency rolling here. And just to encourage you, or sorry, rather to fill you in on the context of this passage, just before this, as Thomas Estes preached several weeks ago, uh, Jesus healed uh, the servant of a centurion. Uh, he also raised the widow's son. He's been healing, he's been teaching, he's been moving and shaking. And here he comes uh, in Luke 7 and has to answer a couple interesting questions. And here in Luke 7, uh, we'll begin. And it says, John's disciples informed him about all of these things. These things being Jesus' healing uh, in his ministry. So John called two of his disciples and sent them to Jesus. This is John the Baptist. To ask, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask you, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? At that very time, Jesus cured many people of diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and granted sight to many who were blind. So he answered them, go, tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news proclaimed to them. Blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Verse 24, sorry, I should have said verse 18 to start, not 28, my bad. Verse 24, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in fancy clothes? Look, those who wear fancy clothes and live in luxury are in king's courts. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yeah, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will proclaim or prepare the way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. Verse 29. Now all the people who heard this, uh, even the tax collectors, acknowledged God's justice because they had been baptized with John's baptism. However, the Pharisees and the experts in religious law rejected God's purpose for themselves, because they had not been baptized by John. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to one another, We played the flute for you, yet you did not dance. We wailed for you, yet you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. 
The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunk, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by all her children. An interesting conversation that's taking place here with Jesus that begins with Jesus talking to some of John the Baptist's disciples and kind of ends with Jesus talking, talking to the crowds. And here, basically, we see that there is, there is a problem. And we, I talked about the title of my lesson being, they're not playing our game. You know, Jesus, his ministry is going on, and these disciples from John come and ask him, hey, are you the one that we're supposed to expect? Um, and then Jesus goes on to talk about his ministry and how it, it's different than John's ministry um, and kind of what they did. Now, remember, I have a picture here. I have a picture here of John, um, you know, uh, there on the left. I kind of picked it because he looks kind of wild, right? Remember, John was out in the wilderness. John was not, he didn't drink. Uh, he ate only locusts. He lived in a very uh, self-disciplined um, community called the Essenes, and they basically lived out by themselves separated from the community and we're just, we're, we're, remember John's, remember John's sermons? He preached sermons about judgment. He preached sermons that were really intense. He called people snakes and vipers. He talked about fire and cutting down trees. John was an intense guy. Jesus comes, right? And he's not really known for that. Jesus is known more for celebrating, eating, drinking, spending time with all people, but especially people like sinners, prostitutes, even the traitorous and disgusting putrid toll collectors, right, that existed there in Palestine. And so very, very different ministries. Um, and Jesus is saying, you know, who can I kind of compare you like? You know, basically Jesus talks about this game, right? He says there's a game that the kids would play in the marketplace. Um, and the, the, the game apparently would go like this. You had one kid who would do something, and it was the other kid's job to try to mimic what the first kid did. So if the first kid uh, played a flute, a happy tune, then the second kid would dance. If the first kid played a sad tune, this, the kid would, would mourn or, or, or do a sad dance or sing a sad song. And it was all about how fast and how well you could mimic the first kid. And Jesus is like, listen, you guys didn't like John because he was too intense and talked about repentance and advocated for self-control. He was a wild man. You didn't like him. And now I come and I'm laid back and I'm spending time eating, drinking, celebrating. And you don't like me, you know? And the reality is, is that you're the kid in the marketplace. You're, you want us to play your game. You want us to do what you want us to do. But we're not going to just do what you want us to do. We are going to do what God wants us to do. But Jesus's ministry is, is, is different. I mean, let's be frank. I mean, sure, we can say John's ministry is here, this kind of intense wilderness, self-control, aesthetic lifestyle. And Jesus comes and he's kind of known for this constant, you know, uh, uh, fun fellowship, encouragement time with, you know, Levi, the tax collector and Mary Magdalene and so on. But even John, if we're talking about... Uh, you know, kind of people not expecting Jesus. Even John is is sending his disciples to ask Jesus, hey, um, are you actually the Messiah? Can you like let us know? Because we're not actually sure. Um, because you kind of are hanging out with sinners every day and um, it's not really what we expected. And it kind of comes down to this question, right? What is Jesus trying to say with this whole thing? 
are the people of that generation and kind of who Jesus is talking to is a lot of the Pharisees and the experts in religious law. Are they just more critical than most people? Like are Pharisees in first century Palestine just more critical than all other people in the history of the world, right? Are they just complainers? They're going to complain if the ministry looks like this or complain if the ministry looks like that. No, I don't, I don't think that they're just, they just happen to complain more than most people. I think that all people are like this. And it's not so much that they're just overly critical. And Pharisees, it's not like Jesus was only spending time with sinners and tax collectors. He also spent time with Pharisees, a great deal of time. Jesus spent time with a lot of people. It's just that the fact that Jesus spent time with sinners and tax collectors was not what the Pharisees expected. And that is why they had such a problem with Jesus, is that he did not meet their expectations. And I don't, I think a lot of us, even this morning, I don't think a lot of us are just predisposed to being critical or complainy or we're just all, you know, bad people. Even our our country, right, can seem like, man, everyone's just negative and complaining. And, and yeah, sure, I think that that's a reality, right? We're all human. We all can struggle with that. I just think that we all have different expectations. And I think a lot of what what, what issues that come 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 across or, or, or come uh, to the fore in relationships with one another and our relationship with Jesus is that we have different expectations. You know, Jenny always talks about how the most important premarital counseling class is the expectations class or the expectation of, of, of different things, right? And, you know, there's some big classes, by the way, in premarital counseling, like communication, finances, and these things. Um, but expectations, right? And I've told this story before. A lot of you know it. Um, kind of Expectations really matter. They really do matter. You know, we, Jenny and I had a premarital, premarital counseling session with, the, with Phil and I on a booker, and we had to fill out this um, sheet that was basically like, fill out your expectations of the marriage. And I've always sort of been um, a rebel without a, without a cause. So I actually showed up to the uh, premarital counseling session without, without filling out the um, the sheet. Uh, and of course, Jenny had pages and pages written of her expectations. And, and, you know, it was all very well done. She poured hours into it and prayed over it and fasted over it because she's incredible. And I showed up with, with a blank sheet because I was going to make a statement. And my statement was, I don't have any expectations, <laughs> right? I'm fine with whatever. I'm Mr. Cool, right? I can roll with the punches. But what was funny is, that as we went through each thing about what your expectations about this household chores, your expectation about time spent together, your expectation about this and that, this and that, Jenny kept sharing her expectations. I was like, yeah, go ahead. You share first. I'm cool. Whatever you share, I'm just going to go with it. After each one, I began to say, well, I actually don't know if I'm okay with that. Actually, I think this. Actually, I think that. But I wasn't really communicating that. And then I you know, Phil Booker was like, hey, Drew, let's take a walk because I, I began to kind of get angry and shut down. And so we went outside and I just I just started to go on a rant. I was like, Phil, she wants to go on so many dates and she wants to spend this time and she wants to do chores and she has all these expectations. What in the world? Like, And then Phil was like, it sounds like you actually have expectations. <laughs> like you don't, you can't just play the I have no expectations card, right? We all, and I didn't want to admit it, right? But I, I had expectations. We all have expectations. And with Jesus, I think it's that much more important to realize that we have expectations. Because when we come to him, we bring that agenda with us. We are all children in the marketplace playing the flute for Jesus. We want to see him dance, 
to our tune. We want Jesus to be what we want him to be. And I love that Jesus comes and he's so funny here. Can you, did you see the humor uh, in, in his voice? Even as he's asked, he goes, hey, um, why did you go out to see John? Oh, was it because of his clothing? Like he has great style. Oh, was it, was it because he's really wealthy and you just wanted to kind of get, you know, network with him? And no, why did you go see John in the stinking desert? Was it to see the reeds, the scenery? Is, is the scenery beautiful out there? No, you went to go see John because he had something to say. He is a prophet, right? Why do you come to me? What do you want from me? We are not impressive because of our clothing or the scenery or our ability to impress you. We are from God. And we're going to say and do what God wants us to say and do. Now that is an encouraging but a challenging thought. You know, our, we, we as people have expectations of Jesus. And I think one of the issues is, is that we slowly begin to let our expectations change. And then I think we get more and more and more frustrated because our perception is, is that Jesus doesn't meet those expectations. I think some of those expectations can be, right, actually more about church and more about people than actually about Jesus. And we can begin to feel like, well, you can get bitter towards certain people, right? We can get bitter towards certain Christians. We can get bitter that the church doesn't meet our needs here or there. We can get bitter toward that, that, that even in our own self, that, our, that we're not meeting our own expectations. We're the, I, and Patty shared, you know, really beautifully earlier about like, hey, I've grown. And sometimes we can, we can be discouraged that we haven't grown like we think we should. And expectations just abound. And my question for you this morning is where do your expectations come from? Are you like me showing up in your quiet times with no expectations? Like I'm Mr. Cool, no expectations. I'm just going to read and pray and see what happens. Or I'm not going to read and pray. Or I'm not going to share my faith. Or I'm not going to help the poor. Or I'm not going to confess. Or I'm not going to what are your expectations for yourself? Do you have any expectations for yourself? One of my favorite Yogi Berra quotes, not, not the cartoon bear, the baseball player, one of my favorite Yogi Berra quotes was, if you don't know where you're going, you're bound to get lost, right? Do you even have expectations? Because the reality is, I'll spoil the ending for you, you do. You do. And those expectations are going to affect your relationship with Christ and they're going to affect your relationship with people. And I want to encourage us this morning to, to not uh, try to get Jesus to conform to our expectations, but for us to conform to his expectations. Because the reality is, is our expectations change all the time because our, our expectations are heavily influenced by our culture. Every time you watch a movie, Every time you listen to a song, every time you watch the news, you are changing your expect. The world is shifting, changing, twisting your expectations of what Jesus is supposed to be and what your purpose in this life is supposed to be. And, and, and so sometimes we're so affected by the news, especially recently, we're so affected by movies, we're so affected by people that the world actually gets us to shift into this expectation where the Pharisees are looking at the Son of God and they are saying, no, you are not what we thought you would be. You can't be from God because this is not what God was supposed to do. And Jesus goes, hold on a second. 
John came in preaching repentance and judgment, and you didn't like him. I come in spending time in, in all these people that are on the margins of society, and you don't like me. What do you want? What do you want? Because when your expectations are tethered to the world, they are never satisfied. When your expectations are just chained to what the world is saying you should have in the here and now, it'll change next week. It'll change next month. It'll change next year. And that is stressful and it's full of anxiety and it's depressing and it's awful and it's difficult. But when we actually look at Jesus and we go, what are his expectations? How can I serve and meet those? We actually find peace. You know, I... One thing, one way that Jesus subverted expectations was that he was constantly celebrating. Christ was constantly celebrating. And this was something that was so unusual for the Messiah. They thought the Messiah was going to, you know, kick rear end and take names, right? Maybe more like John was. And Jesus obviously preached repentance. Jesus was baptized by John. So Jesus obviously very much, very much believes in repentance. Jesus told every sinner that he came into contact with that they should repent or something worse may happen to them. Of course, of course, of course. But that's not what was surprising. Jesus spent time with Pharisees. The guy who buries Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea, Pharisee. Nicodemus, Pharisee. Jesus had a lot of friends in high places, but that's not what was surprising. That's not what was shocking. What was shocking was that he spent time with the people that everyone thought that the Son of God should not spend time with. That this is what was shocking to them. And when we actually align our agenda with Christ, we will shock the world. And I got to encourage you and I got to share with you that the world doesn't need more churches. The world doesn't need another church. We got to stop talking about church and start talking about Christ. Jesus will always refresh. when we. And I want to encourage you, get reintroduced to this guy. Let me introduce you to him. In, get reintroduced to Jesus this week. Get to know the guy. Spend time with him. You will be shocked. You will be surprised, but you will be elated. You will be encouraged. Jesus is what people need. Jesus is who people need, not, not another church. When we get to know the real Jesus, we can't not have a smile on our face. You should have seen me. I looked like a, a goofus, you know, uh, preparing this sermon, just smiling to myself like this guy is great. He's great. He's funny. He's encouraging. He's thoughtful. He's compassionate, but he still is like from God. He's not going to be deterred by the world. This guy is everything. And then I began to think, how can I, how can I be like this guy? And then I began to think, how, who can I tell about this guy? And that is what is always what's supposed to be. Stop thinking about what the church should do and the church's mission. That'll all become super clear when we all re-fall in love with this guy. And the first thing that we have to do is get into, that, get into that celebration with Jesus. Celebrate with Jesus this week. Get to know him. He, Christ celebrates constantly. That's what was so surprising about him. And number two, what was also surprising is that he, he celebrates constantly with you. He celebrates constantly with you. We are those sinners at the table. We are the tax collectors at the table, right? People should be surprised when they see us and go, Jesus actually... He can't be the answer that the world has because he brought you. <laughs> You're like, yes, I know. It's crazy, right? He brought, he loved, he spent time with me. And as Noah and Patty shared earlier, the more we're a Christian, the more we become keenly aware of how incredible it is. We actually should become more aware of how incredible it is that Jesus actually wants to associate love and redeem us. 
that he celebrates with us. You know, the world is going to let us down. We try to, we try to put our expectations on people. We try to put our expectations of Jesus on people or on a spouse or on our kids or on success or on romance. We're only going to be let down. A nation, this nation, a nation will always let you down. Our world will let us down. Leaders will let you down. I'm sure I have, right? I'm sure we could take some time after to share how I've let everyone down. I mean, and hey, it's not a self-deprecating thing. People, we're all people. We will all let each other down. But Jesus will never let us down. And if you're discouraged this week by a leader, if you're discouraged by our world, if you're discouraged by your family, if you're discouraged by our nation, if you're discouraged by that, I encourage you to go to the one who will always always be there for you. The one who will always point you back to celebrate because as surprising as it is, there is always something to celebrate. There is always something to celebrate when you're with Jesus. And I think as people in 2020, that is a much needed thing to hear. Our kids, our kids need to know more that Jesus was constantly celebrating than constantly telling them to change. Our kids should be excited to be reintroduced to Jesus. Do our kids know Jesus? Do our neighbors know Jesus? Or is it just that we belong to a church? Do we know Jesus? <laughs> I gotta be, I'm convicted in my own heart. Do I spend time with this guy in a way where I can laugh with him, where I can look at him even in the scriptures and pray with him and share my heart with him? And church, it is a hard, hard time this, this year. No matter where you are, what you've gone through, there's death, there's discouragement, there's isolation. And amen, the church is going to rally. But right now, it's about all of us falling in love with the Son of God, the one who constantly chose to do God's will and not his own. And we will stand out if we do this. It's just a simple reintroduction to not play the world's game. We're not going to play your game. We are going to conform to the expectations of Christ. Wisdom, that very last passage at the end, right? It says wisdom will be found out by her children. Basically, wisdom is found out by her deeds. Wisdom is not getting Christ to fit your expectations, but wisdom is being transformed to meet his expectations, right? That's what wisdom always is. Wisdom is the reality that actually it's wise to not click on that website. It's wise to not say that mean thing. It's wise to not be passive aggressive right here. It's wise to not be bitter. It's actually wise to do God's expectation. That's what wisdom is, right? This is what Proverbs says. Wisdom calls out in the street. She shouts loud in the plaza at the head of the noisy street she calls. It's noisy out there, church. It's noisy out in the world, but wisdom is calling for you. Wisdom is calling, listen to me. In the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her words, how long will you simpletons, simpletons love naivete? Basically, how long will you foolish people love to be young and dumb? <laughs> right? First John, see what sort of love the Father has given to us that we should be called God's children. And indeed we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that whenever it is revealed, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope focused on him purifies himself just as Jesus is pure. 
Church, I want to give us a short and simple challenge this week. Let's fall back in love with Jesus. Let's spend time with him. Let's be reintroduced to the real Jesus and forget about the big picture of of what the church or what all these people need to do or who's let us down. Christ will never let us down because he is calling us to be there with him. And Christ's expectations are not that we actually meet them with a resume, right? Christ's only expectation is for you to come to him as you are. That's it. What a great, beautiful one expectation from Jesus. Come to him as you are. To bring honesty, to bring... The only thing we can do wrong is to just try to think we don't need him. Christ has a beautiful, lonely expectation. Come to him. Come to me, right? All you sinners. That's what God was known for on earth, was just having dinner with people who knew they needed him. It was the one problem with the Pharisees is that they did not know they needed him. One expectation and a beautiful one from our Lord and our Savior. Church, people will let us down. The world, the culture, our culture, our nation will all let us down. Let's return to the source of true wisdom. The one who will always surprise you, always make you laugh, always have a reason to celebrate, always call you back to the truth and always be honest with you about what needs changing. Let's go back to the one who created us. Let's go back to the one who has a great mission for us here on earth. Let's go back to Jesus. And if we do that, I think everything else becomes a lot more clear. Let's go ahead and close that with a prayer. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Stephen Wetzel. And if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, you can go to blueridge.church or join us at Burnley Moran Elementary School at 10.30 a.m. on Sundays in Charlottesville, Virginia. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time. Thank you.